that, I'm going to light our first Advent candle. <clears throat> thank you, Spirit. And thank you for the flame of life and light that comes into the world in Jesus Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about Advent. Advent, <clears throat> and um, I keep saying my voice is going to get better, but now I'm cu kind of curious about that. So, you know, it is what it is, and maybe the sermon you just heard it, and halfway through this one I'm just going to stop, and we'll just move on. It's not the end of the world. The word Advent, there we go, that helps. The word Advent is from the Latin word advenir, which means to arrive or to come. It's about the coming of Christ. And Advent is the beginning of our liturgical year. So Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year is the beginning of our liturgical year. All of our texts in Advent are about the coming of Jesus, all right? And um, the later Advent texts are about Christmas. Some people think that you shouldn't be singing Christmas songs in early Advent, so we already broke a few rules, okay? Um, and by the way, ignore, please ignore this Christmas tree and all these garlands and wreaths as beautiful as they are. Just imagine that they're not here because I, Advent actually isn't necessarily about Christmas. We think it is, but it's not. It's about the coming of Jesus. And the first Sunday of Advent is always one of the apocalyptic texts in the Gospels. It's not about the first coming of Jesus. It's about the last coming of Jesus. And that's our text today. It's from Mark chapter 13. It's about the last coming of Jesus. And so that seems a little bit out of order. But the emphasis in Advent isn't on Christmas. It's on being ready for the coming of Jesus. It's about being watchful. It's being alert. And so um, for 20 minutes, uh, there's no star up here. There's no tree up here. There's just, it's just Advent. And so our reading today is actually <clears throat> takes place during Holy Week. It takes place right before Easter. So we're really out of tune time-wise. Jesus is talking with his disciples after they leave the temple in Jerusalem, but before he goes to the cross. And his message to them is, in general, to be on guard. Because he's about to go to the cross, because he's about to leave them alone, he's trying to equip them for what's coming next. And he wants them to be aware that there's false prophets, people coming to be, claiming to be in his name, that he, they shouldn't listen to them, not paying too much attention that, that there may be wars or rumors of wars, not to get too hung up on things like that, uh, and not to worry, this is interesting, not to worry that they will be taken and put in front of authorities and put on trial for the sake of their belief. And he says something very powerful to them at that point. He says, you may not know now what you need to say in that time to defend yourself, but when the time comes, the Spirit will give you the words that you need to speak. And we see that this is true. We see the Apostle Peter has some amazingly eloquent sermons that he gives in just such situations. And so Jesus is promising about and warning them about how to be ready for when he's gone. And so it has a lot to do with 
um, paying attention to the signs, but not getting too caught up with them, being ready for the Spirit to move and speak through them, and then also always being ready to preach the gospel, always being ready to speak what the Spirit has for him to say. So, let's um, take a look at our reading. It's Mark 13, 24 through 37. You can find that on page 1006. And Jesus says, But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, now listen to this, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and we ask for your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to say right off the bat that there's a lot of paradoxes in Christianity, and, and this text has one of them we're going to explore a little bit today. Uh, these are things that seem a little bit like logical contradictions. Um, but in fact, they're the only way we can describe something because it's actually beyond our ability to comprehend them because we are limited in our understanding. That's just how we are. And so when God tries to describe himself to us, uh, naturally, the language and the cognition that we have is only going to get us so far. And so God in his complexity and God in his wonder, it's, it's gonna, we're going to lose the ability to describe him completely. And so let me give you one example that's going to recur a little bit later. One example of this paradox, perhaps, if you want to call it that, is the Incarnation. You think about it, right? We believe in the incarnation that Jesus is fully God and yet fully man at the same time. Not half and half, half stuck to half, not like that, but fully at the same time. But that doesn't make sense to us. For us, things are just one thing, aren't they? You know, they just are one thing or they're another thing. They can't be two what seem to be mutually exclusive things at the same time. And so, to a non-believer, this could be foolishness, or illogic, or craziness, or all sorts of things. But to the believer, it's a mystery 
that is beyond our ability to totally understand, but yet we hold these two realities in what some theologians call a creative tension, which I like. I like this phrase, a creative tension. Two different ideas, Jesus is God, Jesus is man. They don't nullify each other or cancel each other out, but yet they contribute in a creative way, in a way that has tension that's, that's interesting and builds a creative tension that creates a new understanding and a new meaning. So instead of a contradiction or a paradox, I would like to call these things creative tensions. Um, and so that's what the incarnation is. Another, <coughs> another one, we get this from Martin Luther. He said, and this is from his view of Scripture, that we are simultaneously saints and sinners. Now, how can that be? How can I be a saint and a sinner at the same time? Truth be told, I feel like a sinner all the time. You know, and I, I really echo what the Apostle Paul says. You know, this is a sure saying, worthy uh, to be of, of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I mean, I, I, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we could all feel that way. Yet, in Jesus Christ, God redeems us, claims us, and washes us clean so that we are now holy people. And that word holy just is the same word as the sanctified saint. So how can you be a holy person, a saint, and yet a wretched sinner at the very same time? Well, you can, because you are washed clean, and yet every day you continue to sin, and every day you need to fall again into God's grace, and you do. So, let's go to our text now. That's a creative tension that there's all sorts of room to think about with that. But with our text today, here's the other creative tension. You can see the signs of the end times. You can see some stuff coming. You know, when, when a tree starts to have some new green leaves on it, well, then you know summer's near. It's a great agricultural type of illustration that Jesus is using there. Yes, that's obvious, Jesus. So when the, when the tree turns green, summer is near. Well, in the same way, when you see some of these signs, you know the end is near. Okay, good. So the end, we can anticipate when the end is. That's on one side. But on the other side, not so fast. Just wait. You actually can't know the hour. You can't know the moment when the end will come, you probably have some notions that it's coming, but you can't really know. And here, one of the most interesting, perhaps challenging thing is that, uh, and this could be a creative tension if you want to think of it that way, and it could build into the, our understanding of the incarnation, is that the angels don't know the hour. Certainly, as humans, we will never know the hour. Did you catch that part about who else doesn't know the hour? Does that interest you a little bit? The sun does not know the hour? Is there some knowledge that God has that he's not share? God the Father has that he's not sharing with his son? That's interesting. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. We save it for another day. It's very interesting. It could contribute to our understanding or our view of the incarnation. What does it mean? But even the sun doesn't know the hour. 
it will be revealed to all of us. It's, it's in God's safe somewhere, and someday he's going to go to the wall, and he's going to put the combination in, and he's going to take out the master plan of when the world ends, and then he'll share it with everybody. But until then, it's in God's safe in his mahogany study. It's just up there. We don't know. You cannot know. You're supposed to look for the signs and be watchful at all times, and you can kind of see when things are coming, but you don't know. And this is a beautiful creative tension. I'll tell you why. Because it invites us to live in the present. It invites us to engage in the things that God wants us to be doing. One of the things that I think we need to do is be certainly aware that when the end comes, that you're covered. I, I hope you believe that. Uh, <laughs> if, if not, I have my work cut out for me. I mean, I remember once when I was a kid, grew up in the Lutheran church, Pastor Mace, Pastor Arthur Mace, and uh, he, he passed away briefly, but what a, a, uh, a wonderful, godly man that I grew up listening to him. And he sat, he was up in the front of the church preaching, and, and he said, everybody in the church who knows you're going to heaven, please raise your hand. And maybe it was the way he said it, and, and maybe people were being kind of Lutheran or Scandinavian, and they didn't want to be too proud or assume too much, but like a smattering of kind of hands went sort of halfway up, and he was like, oh, dear Lord, I have my work cut out for me. You should all be raising your hands right now, is what he said, you know. Evidently, I need to get that clear. I'm really glad I asked that question. Jesus Christ died for us so that we can have the surety that we are saved and that our future is secure. So no matter when the end comes, whether it's in a thousand years or in one year, we're okay. God has a place for us in heaven. There's a room in the Father's house that Jesus has prepared. You're going to be reunited with your loved ones and your friends. You're going to sit at table with Jesus and eat a feast. This we know. Okay, so I've, I've kind of salted the mind a little bit here. But if you know you're going to heaven, please raise your hand. Those who aren't raising their hands are... Okay, I think we're good. All right. I hereby resign from the pastorship because my work here is done. No, I'm kidding. I'm not resigning. Um, we have other work to do. You're going to heaven. That freedom from worrying about that day is a great thing. The future will take care of itself. But we also need to be concerned about it. We need to be concerned about other people's salvation. We also need to be concerned about how we're going to, to live honorably up until that time. How are we going to let the Spirit move through us until that time? And so <clears throat> we watch for the future. We're ready for the future. But we don't obsess over the future because it's a settled matter, because we trust in the promises of Jesus Christ for us. So if Advent is about the coming of Jesus... 
if Advent is about the coming of Jesus, and I want to live in this creative tension of being watchful and yet ready for the end, but realizing that I can't truly know it, that leaves me all this space in the middle. The past is forgiven, it's covered, the future is taken care of. And in this moment that I'm in, I'm ready for Jesus to come now. And I'm not talking about the final coming of Jesus, although that may happen and may it happen. You know, the world is such a mess. Uh, is it more of a mess than it was a year ago? I, honestly, who thinks so? I, is the world more of a mess than it was a year ago? Yes, half, nobody, it's always been a mess, whatever. It's hard to say. Honestly, I don't know. It feels really rotten right now. So if Jesus were to come today, I'd say, good timing. Good timing. Now's good. But the Lord, the, it's, it's in the safe. It's not, not for me to say. The son doesn't even know. Um, <clears throat> but in this moment that I'm in now, I want us to be open for Jesus to come. And how does Jesus come? The Jesus of the incarnation is the one who comes. And I want to ask you, can we be watchful enough to see when Jesus is coming to us this week in the form of another person? Hmm? Think about that. Does Jesus ever come to you in the form of another person? Maybe it's a person in need. Maybe it's a person who gives us a blessing that we weren't expecting. I hope that happens to you this week. And can we be watchful enough to let Christ be in us to other people? If Jesus is going to come into the world in Advent, if he's going to come into the world this week in the Incarnation, he may choose to come into it through you. He may choose to minister to others through you, and I think he does, I know he does. What if there's a ministry that's coming from us that's needed for another person? What if the gospel needs to be spoken into a particular situation? What if grace needs to be given and wrongs against us need to be forgiven for the sake of Jesus? That's the incarnation. That's Advent. That's Jesus coming into the world in this in-between time, this place of creative tension. So I want us to spend the week and all of Advent and beyond, if you're able and willing, is to be watchful for Jesus in the sense that we're aware of the signs, that we live in the creative moment, we're open for the incarnation, the past is forgiven, the future is secure, and in this moment we watch for and we receive the coming of Jesus into our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you again for your Son, Jesus Christ. Come into the world this Advent. Come into the world every day. Come into the world and the people that we meet this week. And especially, Lord, minister through us that we might be Christ to others. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>